What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Excited about our guests we've got on tonight and our topics. Uh, we're going to be talking about um, some of the inshore fishing that the Pamlico Sound has to offer and kind of a unique look at um, some tactics and you know some styles of fishing that our guest Grayson Davis does, um, which is which is going to be a real cool. Real cool topic. I think it's something that would, if I was up there, I would try to, to key in on a lot and do a lot of. But before we get into that, oh, one other thing, we're going to be talking conservation as well. So if that interests you, um, this is a good podcast for you. Um, one other thing that I wanted to jump into beforehand is uh, if you do uh, really like this podcast, you can support us financially through, um, through what's it called, Patreon. We have a Patreon account set up. And uh, you can go in there and give us a small donation of five or ten bucks a month, like a cup of coffee or a hamburger. Really, it's it's not too much, and it just helps us pay for all the back end stuff and, and um, helps us with um, uh, a lot of the subscriptions and stuff we pay for the software that we run all this through. The other thing is our, our Facebook group online, Eastern Current um, Fishing. It's a private Facebook group for listeners to be able to join together and uh, you know hopefully make some buddies, make some friends, some fishing buddies. You get out in the water, ask any questions through the group, and, and you know just kind of create a community there. Uh, also go check out our Instagram. It's just Eastern underscore Current, and uh, you can you can find us there as well. But before uh, I uh, I kick all you off here with my rambling, I'm gonna go ahead and bring on our guest, Grayson Davis. What's up, man? Well, oh, nothing much, man. Excited about our episode tonight. We were uh, we've been talking about it for a while, and uh, finally. Glad we're finally making it happen. Yep. Tried to get you up on duck hunt. Got sick. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm. I just hate duck hunting. I just don't like traveling to duck hunt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, well, cool. Well, uh, yeah. Let's let's jump into it. First off, kind of tell everyone your backstory. How'd you get into fishing, and and uh, how did it bring you to where you are now? Oh, uh, really? Uh, my dad and my great grandmother. Um, she used to carry me down to a pier in Bellhaven when I was little and, and catch sit there and catch pinfish and croakers off the dock till hell has been. Yeah. And then, uh, then when I was in high school, we were living in Newburn and, uh, well, even before that, my dad had bought a boat. And so my passion for fishing kept growing. And then he sold that. And then when we got to high school, started driving and got my own boat and, uh, had a 14 foot Southern skimmer john boat beat around the creek with and uh got to learn a lot doing that and uh just i think what then i had it for almost six or seven years now just recently started guiding and taking people hunting and fishing yeah so uh don't really kind of like everybody else's dad got you into it and then you just kind of took it from there for sure kind of ran with it to an extreme yeah <laughs> uh that, that's cool yeah that's kind of how i got into it as well was with my dad just doing some spanish mackerel fishing growing up off the beach and um just kind of snowballed from there i'm kind of all in it now it's, yeah uh, it's too, i'm too deep to go do, do anything else at this point i'm all in addicted yeah totally addicted for sure things right so yeah, definitely. So, did you did you uh, or, or do you live where exactly do you live up there in, in along the Pamlico Sound? Fair, Fairfield, Fairfield, uh, okay. end of the uh, Lake Manuskeet. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I, so, I actually used to I actually used to live in Small Quarter right by the uh, uh, high school. Okay, but sweet. That that house got sold, so I'd move out. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that usually happens. That usually I ended happens. Up Leaving and going back over to the, the north side of the lake. Right on. 
Well, uh, I think what interested me the most when we were talking pre-show about what we we're going to talk through here was um, kind of your your insight. And what it reminds me of is the Florida Keys and how there's a lot of shallow water uh, inshore wrecks that are really productive. And you were telling me about how there's a lot of those in the Pamlico Sound and some humps and some oyster bars out there um, that are really good for kind of you know shallow water bottom fishing, if you will. So take yeah. me into kind of what, what that looks like, um, what you're looking for and kind of start with start with the different options of that kind of inshore bottom fishing well your your first option is you better take a look at the weather yeah because uh if if it's you know that's what makes it so hard to get out there and actually it's a lot of time invested in going out there and when it's rough like that you can't fish i mean they're, they're, you know it's it's hard to do it right but the, the time that you take when you go out there when it is pretty is uh, really actually precious because you don't really get to do it often. It's not like when you, you know, it could be blowing northeast at 10 to 15 and you can get on the bank and fish the bank, fine. But if it's blowing 10 to 15 out of northeast and you try to go 10 miles in the sound, you're you're screwed. <laughs> that, wind has, that wind has time to build all the way from Oregon Inlet to where you're at so um look for the calm days uh then you know it, it also helps the, the bottom's not as stirred up so it also helps you fish in there um typically bait wise i mean and what we're targeting i mean kind of go full bear um you can throw a lot of soft plastic i like to throw bait that's yeah. just me. Um, hard to find filler crabs up there. I got one spot that if the tide is just right, which all of our tide is wind-driven, um, I can get them. But other than that, good good luck. So yeah. uh, thankfully, I thank my buddy Corey Carroll at Madam's Heat Seafood for, he'll you know put a box aside and I'll pay him for them. Um, uh, blue crabs, you know, Pop shell off, break them in half. I use scissors. Scissors are a lot easier cleaning them. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, typical, just double, double drop, single drop bottom uh, bottom rig, one ounce weight, um, and make sure you got a lot of them because you're gonna lose them. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. Those blue crabs, man. They, they, when you quarter them up like that, they stay on the hook really well. Like you can fish through do. a lot of crap fish and. Yep, and uh, yeah. Especially, so my personal favorite out there is probably sheep's head and black rum. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, it tastes good, for one. Um, and, they, I mean, they fight just as good as a redfish or a, or a speckled trout does. Um, right. And that, that black drum bite, he'll, he'll, he'll grab it and he'll kind of pick it up and move it. And he'll grab it and pick it up and move it and then finally he'll grab it one time and just kind of haul ass with it and that's when you that's and that's the thing is that when the first couple of times i take people out there they're like they're like i can't tell the difference because you got a thousand pinfish eating that piece of crab and you right. got to feel this one fish pick it up and move it right so i you it takes a little while to get used to the bite but once you get it then when you feel it actually happen you're like oh there is, yeah, yeah. There is. <laughs> and then you got, 
Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, the sheep's head bite's pretty similar. But um, I've actually tried using those uh, jailbait jigs. Yeah. With a piece of crab on it. And I actually used, I've got some shrimp boat wrecks that I go to. And it's real hard to, I mean, really hard to use that double drop bottom rig because you're constantly retiring. So one day I just put one of those jailbait jigs on and was like, oh, I, I mean, I can fit this through. I mean, I can see the coal table when I'm dropping it on the coal table of shrimp boat right. and jigging up and down and it's not getting hung. And I'm like, wow, this is, you know, it's kind of nice. Yeah, that's and super it, cool. And it caught fish. I mean, yeah, I caught, you know, five or six sheep's head on it. But um, they were they were pretty thick. So I think you could have thrown anything down there and caught them. What is uh? What's the average depth on a lot of that stuff that you're fishing? Those racks and stuff you're fishing out there. Oh man, it, it'll get deeper than like 13 feet. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, we we've dove on some of them too. Really? Yeah. Um, especially we well, especially some of the shrimp boat wrecks. We uh, some of the stuff stuff is still sticking out of the water. Yeah. The um like the channel iron on the front and. Some of the uh, outrigger stops are still sticking up out of the water, but I mean, like two inches. So, like, if it's any, if it's rough at all, don't go out there unless you know exactly where it is. Yeah, you pile her up on it right through your boat, and that'll you'll be down there too. Yeah, that's why there's so many wrecks out there is because guys don't know about it. Especially, it, it usually claims the um, out-of-state shrimpers. Gotcha. It, a lot of the local boys, they know it where it is, but the uh, the out-of-state guys don't know, and they go get their net wrapped around it, and then next thing you know, the Coast Guard's out there saving their life. So, um, And then the, uh, the there's multiple ones up north um, in between, you know, like Stumpy Point and Oregon Inlet, uh, where there's some battleships, some. Um, um, I, I'm pretty sure that one's, that one's, uh, dead. I don't think they bomb on that one anymore. Gotcha. But, um, that, that one's always been my spade fish hole. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. So uh, late summer, um, you can go out there and I mean, you can see the smokestack and I mean, it's, it's a old ship. Yeah. And, uh, there'll be, you know. 20 or 30 spade fish swimming around it and you're like oh this is nice and you know we'll, we'll take we'll, we'll take real light stuff out there for them um and really uh as simple as it sounds a cork and a number two eagle claw and a piece of shrimp yeah and it's that simple um, do you ever chum for the spade fish get them a little silly fired yeah, up behind yeah, the boat yeah oh gotcha. uh, we all oh, we when we wreck fish we chum yeah non-stop gotcha. i mean like i said i got my buddy Corey and all the the pit crab scraps we figured out how to take them and put them in a blender well, not really a blender but like a, a meat processor essentially and chop and get it all up in a gallon bucket and drill freeze it drill holes in the bucket and just throw it overboard and tie it off wow and and you get uh, i mean it's like you you do that when you first get to the wreck and then you know clean your crabs if you're drum fishing or get you some shrimp out and make some rigs. And by the time you do that, I mean, they're all under the boat. Yeah. So, um, the, 
the only problem with chumming is you you pick through you'll catch a few black drum or whatever at first and then you end up um losing a lot more rigs to big red fish yeah so um yeah you get that you'll feel the same bite as your black drum fishing you'll feel the same bite and then you'll set into it and it won't move and then it starts <laughs> moving and you're like crap i got i got a red fish <laughs> so um man there's all grades of shit i mean there's like planes out there that i've seen on sonar i mean there's cars um i don't know how a car got out there but there was a car on our you know high vids or whatever the the clear view or side view or whatever it is you use um every light tower that's ever been blown over during a hurricane i mean people don't really think about that as a structure but it's habitat i mean yeah especially and then you know you think about a an, an inlet being right there, you know, a light tower falls over and it's right there at the mouth of that inlet or into the sound. It's going to hold bait, which is going to end up holding fish. So that's, uh, I got a light tower that I fish quite often. Um, and it's for gray trout and nice. you know, everybody, everybody seems to think that, Gray trout have magically disappeared and they're no more. And I promise you, we'll take you out there and we can smoke about seventy of them in a you know matter in an hour. That's awesome. Every cast, every cast. Um, what size gray course, trout are you seeing? Oh, uh, I mean, I've caught some bones big as your leg. Wow. And I mean, the average you're looking probably sixteen to twenty-four. Yeah. I mean, and you'll have some days where you'll just it'll be 20 plus yeah. uh, all day that's and awesome. it, that that's pretty simple too i mean uh three eighths to a half ounce jig head and a three inch white gold trim yeah and you better have a bucket of them because if once if you if if you don't have a gray trout on bringing your bait up then the bluefish are gonna come swipe you gotcha and there's some nice bluefish out there too so i mean you know there's two parts of the water column you got gray trout on the bottom and then you got your bluefish kind of middle way and i think actually what's happening is the bluefish are eating minnows and spitting them up and then the gray trout are just eating the pieces of what falls what the bluefish are chopping up yeah. yeah so um then you know i've i've been to some of these wrecks and have destroyed the speckled trout yeah um and and some of the biggest speckled trout i think i've ever seen caught in the sound have been caught on some of those wrecks yeah, that's so, that's impressive. It, do do you feel like it's most of the wrecks out? Like, if you find some structure out there in in and let's say the desert of like nothing, and all of a sudden there's structure, is there usually fish on it? Um, it depends. Depends. I mean, you, you just you just if you don't stop and fish it, you'll never know. You'll never know exactly. Exactly. So I mean, if um, you know, if you like, you come across there's like another shrimp boat wreck. It also depends on the bottom type. Yeah. Bottom type definitely, because um, there's another wreck, um, shrimp boat wreck, that I just thought about. That the the reason it's not as good as the other one that I was first talking about is the bottom type is different. Gotcha. It's it's you know you got that the one the first one I was talking about you got that triple line hard bottom, which is what you want what you want to see, and then the other one is soft bottom. Yeah. So, there, there, it'll still hold fish. It's just 
not as not as well known and good as the other one. Right, right. So, and then you know, once you get once you start getting inshore a little bit, you don't really see a lot of that stuff anymore. Um, you used to see lumps all the way back up to damn PCS. I mean, there used to be. My dad used to tell me that there was a there was a nice oyster bar in about ten foot of water right off the Indian Island, and it's gone, completely gone. I mean, I think the bottom's been silted over, and it's just no more. I mean, you used to hear people catching gray trout in Punga in the Punga River. Wow, um, you don't hear about that anymore either. Um, and like I, we were talking about earlier, I, I feel like that's got a lot to do with, you know, we're seeing a lack of oysters and not, and you know, not really because of the harvest, but you know, the, the the trawlers and you get a couple bad years of really fresh water kind of hurts them sometimes. Um, but you know, people don't realize it, but that's habitat. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. That's habitat, and that that helps that helps our sound so much and nobody everybody's like only thinks about oysters when it comes time for oyster season nobody thinks about them during the summertime when we need them the most right when it's southwest of hail gale for you know 20 days straight nobody can go fishing and it's just beating the hell out of the bank mm -hmm. yeah turning all the water yeah, the, the amount of erosion that, that we were talking about that we've seen up there the past couple of years along the shorelines is incredible. I mean, it just tons and tons of shoreline just being destroyed. So um, it's, it's, it's crazy. So what do you think that – what are some of the causes of the, the loss of oysters up there? I think it's the – it's like we talked about. I, I can't really just completely point the finger at one thing, but it is the shrimp beds. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's 100% a 90-foot trawler, especially our boys I'm fine with. Um, I don't like it still, but our boys I'm perfectly fine with. If, if you're going to catch shrimp in North Carolina waters and you're going to sell them in North Carolina, perfectly fine with that. Um, but if, you're, if they're from Georgia and they come up here with those big overnight boats, 90-footers with four doors, and we're – if you, I mean, if, if you ever seen behind one, it just looks like a disc. I mean, it just like a, it's just plowing the bottom, and you know, I mean, once the oyster gets any kind of silt over top of it, it's dead. Yeah. I mean, so, um, and you can't control where a lump's gonna start, per se. Um, so. Somebody's not going to go out there every day, every year and rescan, re-sonar the bottom and be like, oh, here's the lump here. So we got to, you know, we got to exit this off so you can't shrimp in this bottom anymore. This is closed bottom. If you did that, then there wouldn't be anywhere to shrimp. Yeah. Um, um, the Chesapeake Bay, I think, did a study because um, they were having the same issues. And this has been probably 14 years ago. And they, I think they closed, did they close their oyster, they closed their oyster fishery for a little while. I believe they? they did, yeah, for, for a short time. I think it's back open. Um, yeah. But, but so they, and they got their crowd together, I guess fisheries or whatever, and they, they talked to the oystermen and said, 
um, take your dredges, take the bag out, and we're going to give you a square mile block. And you're going to drag that, you're gonna, well, it's not really a disc anymore. It would then become, in farming terms, a chisel plow. So it would bring everything that got completely turned over with dirt, it would bring all that back to the top. So all the shell, any kind of matter, I mean, rocks, whatever. So you do that and you close that off. What that does is that allows the spat to come in and stick to something and, re and begin to regrow. So you get that regrowth going, and you know that takes it takes three years for a oyster. I mean, they're filtering as soon as they become shell, they're filtering. That's how they're growing. And we've we've got, oh, I mean, we've got over, I think, five thousand bags of seed at Shell Point Oyster Company, and. It takes them three years to grow, but once they're at that three-year stage, they're filled in, I think, like 10,000 gallons of water a day. Golly. So, I mean... One oyster is? One oyster. One oyster. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So, um, we, look at, we look at that, and then we look at also, this is going to be an even worse issue, but the inlets. Mm -hmm. um, we just had a hurricane and it completely wiped out I mean the the problem wasn't actually from flooding from the storm it was when the storm left because when the water we don't have tide right? so everything is wind controlled so when all the water off Howard's Reef on the back of Ogrecote gets blown to our side before the storm hits then it rains a bunch. Then the backside of the storm was usually a northwest wind and a howling northwest wind. And then it takes all that water and blows it over there at once. And then the, there's nowhere for it to go. Right. So it goes over top of I mean, Water finds the path of least resistance. Yeah. So it just goes over top of the island. And, I mean, I'm sure you saw videos of people driving their boats around in people's yards and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, my buddy Ferris, he was taking jet skis around, checking on people. Um, but that's 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 got everything to do with the ebb and flow of water. I right. mean, we've got dead water in the sound, absolutely dead water. And fish can survive, but it would help if you get that constant flow of nutrients, you know, the food chain, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um and it's just, that's just not happening. Oregon Inlet is a shithole for an inlet. Um, Ocracoke is pretty bad. I mean, it's, it, it, my buddies went offshore yesterday and they said it, it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. Um, and then Hatteras is just as bad, oh, yeah. if not worse. So, I mean, that's three inlets right there that are supposed to drain and constantly flow water through it that's not. Yeah. So that's another reason why um, our oysters would help um, because we're losing our grass. Mm -hmm. And Are you talking and, about shoreline grass or, or grass I'm talking about I'm sub-aquatic, sab. Sub-aquatic. Sub yeah. 
Uh, and the shoreline, too. The shoreline's more or less the oyster problem. The grass is a inlet problem plus an oyster problem. Gotcha. So, you know, you, it blows southwest out there. You don't go fishing. Right. At all. I mean, it, it's so rough that it's hard to it's hard to fish anywhere out there. Plus, the water is so, I mean, it looks like chocolate milk. You get a good north northeast or northwest wind, it clears up. But, you know, old timers and, you know, used to tell me that you could fish all day out there every day, no matter what the wind was, because you had some kind of break. Yeah. Something that was knocking down the waves, and there's nothing doing that anymore. It's all just trolled flat, trolled flat. It's trolled flat. Yeah. It's you see the same thing in Louisiana, man. Like I, I've yep. heard stories back in back in the day in Louisiana where it was turtle grass and eel grass everywhere on the bottom down there. You know, it could blow thirty miles an hour and it would stay calm, it would stay clear. Um, yep. And now they've they've they're not the shrimp trawling there is not really the big issue, though the shrimp trawling hurts, but the the oyster trawling down there. So they drag for oysters and that just tears yep. the bottom up as well and. Um, there's just no aquatic vegetation anymore, and so the, it just gets super churned up and nasty and um, dealing with the same issues. And It's just scary, man. It's like, you know, we want to we, we want to fix things, but I feel like as a – I mean, you look at every estuary. Everybody's got all their big problems, and we're just not going in the right direction. There's no real success stories anywhere. They're all just no. kind of struggling at their own. And that's what I, I – mean, that's what me and my buddies talk about is – why are we why are we always constantly trying to ban stuff? Why don't we get together and try just like you said, make something successful? Yeah. You know, and and you know, for instance here the the commercial recreational jibber jabber all the time. It's like what I'm talking about would a hundred percent benefit our fishery. Yeah. A hundred percent benefit our fishery. Um, there would, there wouldn't. I mean, back in the day, there was no commercial recreational jibber jabber. Mm. I mean, because there was a habitat, a sustainable habitat. And like I said, I don't want to point the finger, but it's the shrimp. Yeah, it is. yeah. It's uh, it's it's hard to to not see that, and you, you can't you can't really go attack them because. You know, they, they, there's a there's a lot of money in that industry, um, but you could work with them. I mean, like I, like I said about the skimmer rigs. I mean, we we most of my friends that shrimp and do it for a living commercially are skimmer rigging now. Okay, like I said, the yields are better. Um, you do less damage to the bottom. You don't have to abide by um, trawler laws. So I mean every every piece of closed bottom this sounds bad, but it, it's not it's not as bad. So every piece of closed bottom, those skimmer rigs can go in. Now the reason it's closed bottom is because it's brown shrimp, which are on the bottom, not green tails. Mm-hmm. So green tails are more your middle of the water column shrimp, and that's what that skimmer rig is really targeting. Okay. The, the trawler is everything. It's it's not it, it's not you know targeted for one species of shrimp. It doesn't matter if it's a green tail, a brown shrimp, a crab. It doesn't matter what it is. 
it's taking it away and it's going to kill it. Yeah. There is, it's not like gill netting where you pick something out of gill net, you have to fish your gill net. For one, pick it out of gill net, you can put it back and it swims off fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, you drag the, it around in a tail bag for, for a while yeah, and it's going to be dead. For, <laughs> for 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, and then you you pull it up and dump it out, and everything's dead. And you're like, oh, well, I'll just wipe it off the side of the boat. No yeah. big deal. Um, but you're when the skimmer rigs are good, they're good. When they're bad, they're bad. Yeah, so that's the problem. But the the reason when it's bad means that there's no shrimp. You I know, mean, we could have had a, a. It's just like with the trout. We could have had a freak freeze or something like that 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 hurt the shrimp population. Uh, that freeze three years ago crushed the shrimp. Yeah. I mean, absolutely crushed them. Um, <laughs> there were boys in Evercote telling me that there were icebergs in the sound. Golly. Not in the sound, in the ocean, going out the inlet. That's crazy. Um, it's uh, That was a crazy week, but we'll <laughs> save that for another time. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Well, you know, with with that being said, so let's jump back into the fishing just a little bit before we wrap this up and talk about, you know, the the, the near shore wrecks and stuff. That's that's all good and, and fine, but if you don't have numbers for that, you know, and you, and the weather's blowing, you know, and you can't get out in the open water, what is kind of your go to, you know, fishing well, around home? Pretty much everything that you do. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Shallow water redfish and speckled yeah. trout on the banks and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. I I actually I, I figured out that um, you can wave fish a lot. Oh, cool! Um, and you you tend to be quieter. Definitely. Um, you control motors not beating against the bottom, and you know you get two or three head. I mean, I got some shorelines that are foot sometimes a foot and a half deep sand bottom um they've got some you know three to four foot troughs in them mm-hmm. and uh, i'll take people there throw the anchor out give you a bag of soft plastics with some jig heads in it and some leader and a stringer and say go to town yeah you can walk you can walk that way you can walk that way i don't care where you go and then you also you know make sure you mark a little line on your rod so that if you do catch something that's questionable, you can at least measure it. Right, right. Um, I do a lot of that. Uh, I do a lot of big drum fishing. Cool. A lot. Um, actually, we caught one about a week ago. Nice. Okay. Uh, we we start we start now. Um, really, really targeting them. It's really only one spot, so I can't really share that. Oh, you don't have to share your spot. Um, but it's. Um, they're chasing soft crabs. Gotcha. As the crabs start coming in, you know, we're, we're getting ready for soft crab time here. Um, probably this next moon. Um, and the soft crabs will come up in that real shallow water to try to get away from any predators. Uh-huh. And the drum, the big drum will follow them. Wow. And cool. the big blue fish, the big blue fish will follow them. Um, we'll catch, I mean, I've called Connor actually, has caught the biggest one that that I've ever been on the boat with. How big was that one? Sixty-three inch female that was had a thirty-two and a half inch girth. Wow! 
And if you look at the numbers on the world record, that was the length and girth. Really? Yeah. That was a big one. So, yeah. So you'll you'll never be able to. I mean, and it was in three foot of water. I mean, you yeah. could we could see the fish. Um, and then we we went back the next year to that same spot and we caught one drum and then something hit the front rod and I ran to go grab it and the, the damn thing jumped out of the water and I was like, what in the world is that? And got it to the side of the boat and it was one of those giant bluefish. Oh, wow. And um, so we went back the next, that afternoon to a different spot and found them freaking tailing. Oh, yeah. Those bluefish will tail like permit, man. It's crazy. On a, yeah, on a flat. And we started throwing top water at them and, and they were they were smoking it. Yeah. So, and that's that's another thing that I'm I really really enjoy is topwater fishing. Um, Those bluefish big, are fun for it too, man. They'll big, crush it. Speckled trout, topwater fishing, drum topwater fishing. I mean, I I, I love when a drum hits a skid of water. Oh I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. Well, I was going to ask that if you are throwing topwater, what's your kind of go-to plug that you like? Bone white skitter walk, baby, all day. Oh, oh what? Bone white? Bone white. Bone white skitter walk. Nice. Bone white. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that, that love that bone color. Yep. I, I, I've got I've got piles of them that have either got, you know, the body's been crushed or it's got a <laughs> hole in it. Right. Or the paint's completely gone. So... Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. Uh, well, if you're so you do a lot of bait fishing inshore as well, or mm-hmm. are you mostly artificial? Um, I would say I I bait fish when I'm offshore at those wrecks. Yep, and I'll do. Well, we call it puppy drum fishing. We'll okay. go to those, and the, the way that I figured it out is the guy that I fish with. Um, a lot. I'm typically a, a artificial guy. Yep. To be honest with you, but a guy that I fish with, we you know we we kind of sometimes use it as like a cocktail hour. Yeah. When I work, especially when I work there, um, you know, we knock off work, go fishing, go catch some mullet, and then go, you know, throw a drum rig out on a sandbar for, you know, drum puppy drum trout something like that, and uh, I you know I went. I can catch them with mullet. They're here all the time. So I can catch them with artificials. Yeah. So that's, that's really and truthfully how I figured out the waiting stuff was fishing those bars. I mean, there's thousands of little coves with, you know, a foot or two of sand, hard sand bottom. Yeah. Um, all in that sand, all on that shoreline. And uh, you, you hit those with the bait fishing and figure out if there's a fish there and then you come back next day in the morning and fish it with artificials and catch them just as good. Yeah. Oh, Man, yeah. Sometimes better. sometimes better cause you can, you're really working through the area a little quicker yeah. instead of waiting for them to move to you. Yeah. And, uh, I, when it, it rarely ever happens, but when it does, I try my best to get out there when it, when it blows Northwest in the summertime, it is miserably hot. But, you know, at like 11 o'clock, you can go to some of those bars and the water will clear up enough where you can see everything. Yeah. And sight fishing. We'll just go park the boat, anchor, power pole, and then just wait. That's and you fun. just sit on the boat. One guy stands on the console. 
one guy stands on a cooler and you just sit there and they just they just patrol up and down that shoreline. Yeah. And you don't really ever see them waking. You actually see them. Yeah, see them in the water. Yeah. yeah and um, that that's that's a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think what I mean. Uh, flounder fishing is is always fun too. But you know, we only really get uh, August and September are big months for that. Okay. Well, are y'all seeing all three types of flounder in there? Southern summers and gulfs, or you see? Nah. Just southern, just southern. Gotcha. Um, we've got a, you know, they, they're a lot of those flounder are coming in from Ocracoke. Okay. Um, and then you know they'll they'll hit us first, and then if one or two moon cycles, and then they're all up the river. Yeah. But then you know you're constantly getting another flow of fish but typically your big fish are on that first on that first push yeah yeah we're starting to see some big fish in the marsh down here flounder wise like i'll be i'll be red fishing like this past i think it was two days ago i was out red fishing and we got to a spot and i couldn't get my my skiff in there yet tide was low we had sand bottom so we walked in there we kind of slowly fished our way through it throwing jigs and you know typically if i was in there on the skiff I would have been just seeing the redfish, throwing to the redfish, you know, and not making any real blind cast. But since mm-hmm. we were waiting, we were blind casting, and we caught so many flounder on the yeah. entrance to it that I didn't even know were there. You know, maybe I had mud one or two when I was pulling in, and I'd say, oh, there was a flounder. But three of them were, like, well over 20 inches, solid spring fish that yeah. I hadn't seen at all. So that was Tell like, me if you, you agree with me on this. We need to have a slot. For the flounder? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think every fish I, should have a slot, honestly, I, and the speckled trout. I mean, if you want to get into it, yeah. yeah. Well, and and I I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I think speckled trout uh, fourteen to twenty two, or yeah. even less fourteen well, to twenty. The amount of I mean, eggs that a speckled trout has after twenty inches, it's thousands of more eggs once they hit I'm, that twenty inch mark. Yeah, it's it's an insane amount, and so you know, an eighteen inch trout is going to be just uh, plenty of meat and just as good yep. as a twenty five inch trout. Exactly. Uh, and but you're killing way more babies and way more yep. potential speckled trout, and you got to really think about that. Like when you really think about how many eggs are going to come out of that fish, and how many more trout are going to smack your mirror lure if you yep. let that fish go in, in three to four years. You know what I mean? It really does play out like that. Unfortunately, the ones that start. Croaking and grunting when they get in the boat, they don't they don't really stand a chance. <laughs> no, the, no, bucks, the, the bucks, males, yeah, they're they're, they're going into court. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. If even if that, and that's the thing too, being able to understand. Like a, a lot of people don't realize that the males are the ones talking, and and yeah. just sharing that with clients, sharing that with anglers. Like, hey, you know, if you if you catch a big fish that's not making any noise, you should let it go. It's probably a big female that's breeding. And I think people are getting better at catch and release, and getting smarter at like the right really fish to release, but. Um, well, they, they think that they've got to bring the fish in to get a citation. You don't have to. No, you got to release citation at 24 inches. Yeah. So I mean, there's uh, no need to. I, I don't. I don't really see what. I guess for some people, it's. But for me, getting a piece of paper really isn't. No. Well, I'm. I like if I'm going to get a citation of anything, it's going to be a citation trout. To me, that's like it's the hardest fish to catch. A citation drum is not hard to catch. A citation, no, no. but a citation trout is a tough fish to catch. So if you're gonna paper hunt but the other thing too is people you know used to you'd bring it your bragging place was the dock 
You know, yeah. there wasn't social media. So you had to bring yep. the fish back to the dock and show people how big it was. But now, you know, with, with Instagram and Facebook, I mean, it gives you the ability to show your friends, wow, I caught this badass big trout and I, I was able to let him go. And, and so yep. the one thing that we sucks, though, is trout, you can never do them justice with a, with a picture. They always look smaller than they were in a always picture. Yeah, they do. So, they do. They really do. Uh, if, if you're trying to get on this big trout, come up and uh, have one of those cocktail hours with us. We usually uh, – we caught one last year that was 31 inches. Did you really? On a on a piece of mullet. Yeah, I need to come do that. I've actually, I, I well, I heard the story, and I've heard the story from multiple people, so it's it's pretty well true. They were all three of them were on the boat. Um, they they were fishing a grass flat, um, and they had you know we'll use the mullet head, yep. big drum, um. <laughs> And the guy went and picked up the rod and started reeling it. And he was like, man, there's something on here. So he just starts jerking it. I mean, just like thinking it's grass on it. And it wouldn't come off. And he keeps reeling it. And he gets it next to the boat. And the, the fish easy, like, kind of just floats to the top. Hammer dead speckled trout. It was about 11 pounds. And it had, had choked on the mullet head and killed itself. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> so um uh, that was yeah that's pretty nuts yeah that so, is I mean, nuts. if um and you know there there's i mean you've seen the pictures of the one that ate the 14 inch mullet oh yeah oh yeah i mean they people don't realize that you know guys are throwing baits they're three and a half inches those big trout are a different animal they're yeah. different than a small. Not that they won't eat that, but you want no, to eliminate the small the small bites for the big fish. And I think that's an episode I'd like to do with you this fall is is just really talk about you know big speckled trout fishing. We'll hop on here and talk about targeting big trout. They're, uh, they're, I, I'm telling everybody this this year. I I, I think the state record get beat somewhere yeah. up and down this coast. That state record's going to be. Yeah, there were some big fish that didn't get caught this year, and and they're. Uh, no there freeze. was a lot of big fish that got released. Yeah, a lot of big fish that got released, and um, but we'll, I mean, and you know, you got to think about the fish that we didn't hear about. Yeah, that's very true. The old timer uh, on the John boat called him and let him go. You know, on his, one of those, on his, his spider corker rig with fifteen mirror lures on it. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> for real. Well, right on, man. Well, we're we're at like forty five minutes, so we're gonna. If there's, I, I want to give you the chance. If there's anything else you want to share, real quick, before we close her down, the um, really just the 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 fall fishing for us is is um, I mean, there's just crazy for us. I yeah. mean, that's that's my favorite time. The wind usually lays out, um, and there's so many things you can go do. You can go to those wrecks. You can go. I mean, you don't have enough time in the day to do everything. Right. Um, especially when it's pretty, um, cause I mean, I had it to where, you know, I take customers and it was, you go out first thing in the morning, we're going to target trout till nine 30. And usually we're done by nine 30 with our fish. Yeah. And that kind of leads into now we're going to go to a flat somewhere and we're going to target drum on top of our and fight fish for them. Um, and then we'll run offshore, go catch our gray trout. And then on the way back, we'll stop at another spot, catch our black drum. And then next thing you know, 
you can't close a 48 quart cooler because it's full it's full fish right 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 it's like it happens like that and especially those calm days man you, you, you can't beat those out there. That's that's the best. It just that's gives really. you so much versatility. And as a captain, man, it's so fun yeah. to be able to take your yes. client through a few different types of fishing in a day. Yeah, uh, And you need that's those true. right days to do it. Uh, most days, it's like you're like, all right, let's hope this trout works or let's hope these redfish are on this oyster rock, you know. Um, the that weather, is, the wind's blowing and I need to, I, these, I need my, my honey bucket fish here. So That's right. And then the springtime, the springtime's not bad. But, I mean, it, it, it just blows all the time. Yeah. It's been, that's what it's been doing. Lately. Blowing, it's it's not so bad. I mean, you can find somewhere to hide. Right. There on the southwest wind, you can't. There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah, you're. There's nowhere to hide. I mean, literally. I mean, from from Stumpy Point all the way to Pungo or to Scranton, Germantown, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can find a place to hide. Typically, there's fish. <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's uh, that's the opposite of what we have here. There's plenty of places to hide, but there's not enough fish that just because you're hiding out of the wind or hit out of the wind, you're, doesn't you know, you're, you're, it doesn't mean you're going to catch fish. So it's right. kind of the opposite. Well, well, sweet. Well, I'm going to link all your uh, social accounts and, and ways to get up with you if people want to book a trip um, on the show notes of the YouTube video as well as the podcast here, you guys. And um, Grayson's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to fish as well as you know some of the issues that they're dealing with up there on the Pamlico Sound so feel free to hit him up uh, if you have any questions or want to book a trip and again man thank you so much for coming on we'll definitely have to do another one and hopefully I won't get food poisoning the next time we're supposed to duck hunt together <laughs> you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look at something closer to the start of the season because that's when uh, that's when usually is the best on the sound is Thanksgiving yeah 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 for it's, sure the, tor- the turkey day shoot. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, man, thanks again so much. I'm going to close her out here. Uh, guys, thanks for checking out this episode of Eastern Current. We are grinding, trying to get a bunch of good content, a bunch of good podcast episodes for you all. So just stay tuned. We're doing two a week right now. Some weeks we're going to be doing three. Um, but if you haven't checked out our YouTube channel, if you just listen, go to Eastern Current Fishing on YouTube. Um, we don't only have these podcasts recorded as a video, so you can watch like you're sitting here hanging out with us. But we also have a bunch of fishing videos, tackle tip videos, all kinds of good stuff over there on YouTube. So go subscribe to our Eastern Current Fishing YouTube channel and uh, and let us know what you think over there. But thanks again, Grayson, and I will uh, I'll see y'all in the next episode later.